The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and WadenaRadio.com. This is the Morning Sports Desk for Monday, January 29th. I'm CJ Baumgartner. Corey Tackman is, well, on my screen. He's to my right. Uh, for those listening, he's wherever you want him to be. Uh, Corey, how's it going? Great. How about you? Uh, you know, a weekend full of football, which is always good, but it started off on Friday for you. You were in Staples for a girls basketball game where you get to see one of the top players in the state in Orline for Crosby Ironton. Uh, is she the real deal? Yeah, she's awesome. She's she's um, she's real good, which I know is not proper English. She's real good at basketball. Um, uh, Crosby Ironton beat Staples. Motley 77-47 was the final. Um, she needed 42 points to get to 3,000 for her career. She finished the game with 41. Overall, um, if we were to vibe check this game, it was very strange. I think there was just a lot. There was just a lot going on in general. Um, a lot of maybe a little extra pressure from the Crosby Ironton side to make sure that she could get to 3000, a little pressure and pride on the Staples Motley side to deny her that opportunity on their floor. Uh, it was just, it was the game started with a technical foul. So there wasn't even an opening tip and an opportunity to see like, just to, you know, there's something exciting about that opening tweet and the toss and the tip and to see where that game goes and the energy that kind of builds from that. It was tech, two technical fouls in the ball for uh, two technical free throws and the ball for Staples Motley. And that's just how the game started. It started out weird. It ended weird. Um, Crosby Arrington ended up winning by 30. And Tori Orline's amazing. She's an amazing basketball player. Yeah. I mean, I know you text me after the game. You're like, she got 41. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, like right on that, right on that edge. And she'll get a chance to do that. I believe their next game is against Providence Academy and Madden Greenway. So that's that should night. be, yeah, that should be a game for the ages. Is that in Crosby or are they going down to the cities for that one? No, that's a Providence Academy. And I, I, I did like some general math. Madden Greenway has a chance to score 3000 in that game. Now I haven't seen what she's done in her last couple, but um, she had, Basically, if you include this Tuesday night game, three games to get there, she needed to score roughly 42 points in each of those three games. So if she did it in the first two, she's going to need to score about 42 tomorrow night to get there. Of course, Orline is just going to need a bucket and she'll she'll be there. Yeah, so that that is the makings to be a, a really fun game. That'll be a really cool one uh, down there in Providence Academy tomorrow night. Um, moving on from our, uh, games over the weekend, uh, there was a lot that happened, uh, in the Minnesota sports scene, but before we get to that, uh, let's talk about some games that we have coming up throughout the week. I know we have a busy week for local sports tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to have Purim at, uh, or Purim hosting Wadena Deer Creek and boys basketball, 7:15 pregame, 7:30 tip off. Believe that one is on the super station. Um, and Corey, what else we got going this week? I mean, it's it's a lot of basketball. I just want to encourage people to go to WadenaRadio.com and check out. Basically, we have on our calendar two weeks of regular season winter sports left because in three weeks, we start section wrestling coverage. Crazy. So, um, you know, there will probably be a mix of regular season basketball thrown in there still, but we're in the full scope of things now. Um, 
I do want to mention Friday is going to be a particularly fun day because uh, it's Henning at Wadena Deer Creek girls basketball on Friday. That is a scheduled 1.30 tip. So uh, they're going to get the elementary students out in full force. I like it. I think every team in the park region is doing some iteration of this, whether it's their right. boys team or their girls team or whatever it is. I like that they're doing this for the elementary kids. I think it's a really neat opportunity um, to allow kids to see a game that normally wouldn't be able to get out to do that. And plus they're young. Like it's hard to get out for a seven thirty tip on a Tuesday night when you've got school the next day and you're in second grade, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. but then, but then I'll have uh, Staples, Motley, and Crosby, Arlington boys basketball on the fan then later that night. And um, I, I would imagine there might, you know, if there was a little bit of a reckoning this past Friday night with the girls team, it could be, it could also be chippy on Friday night too. Two good teams in the Cardinals and Ranger boys basketball teams. Little mid-state conference fun there in the final year of that conference. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's going to be really fun, and I know we'll talk maybe a little bit about that day game for Wadena Deer Creek and Henning as the week goes on. But, I mean, we said this last year when the boys for Wadena Deer Creek and Bertha Hewitt did it at Wadena. They're going to do it at Bertha this week because Bertha Hewitt has snow days. So that's going to be another fun opportunity, and it's really cool because, like you said, these younger elementary kids don't normally – you know, unless your brother or sister is on the team, you're typically not going to those games a lot. And for some of these kids, it's their first interaction with a competitive game of basketball. And it's a way to try and introduce some of these kids to the sport. It's a way for the athletes to get uh, like a packed house, rowdy, a bunch of kids all ready to go in the afternoon. I mean, it's, I can't say the praises enough for every activities director and coach who's been pushing to do this uh, a plus job, everybody around. When I've told other people, um, from just around friends, family, whatever, who are not from the area. And uh, I tell them that that's, this is what's happening. Like this is a game I have on Friday. Every single one of them goes, Oh, I wish we did that. Right. <laughs> it's a, it's a really great idea. So I, I'm glad to see the park region is continuing to do that. They uh, it happens a lot in volleyball. I know in the fall, it's cool to see it happening uh, with basketball too. Exactly. Moving into local or uh, from our local to our state sports, the Minnesota Timberwolves on Saturday night did not play a great fourth quarter. I think the Spurs shot something like 97% from the field. Wemby does some freakishly Wemby things, but at the end of the day, the Timberwolves once again can't escape their own incompetence and they uh, lose another one. And I know I've been pretty sanguine about the Wolves during the shaky patch. I've said, you're going to have a rough patch throughout the season. I'm still trying to remain relatively patient with this team, but also you just see some, again, the boneheaded mistakes of the Timberwolves the last couple of years where the joke was they might be the stupidest team in basketball when it comes to situational awareness. And Jaden McDaniels has a late foul. Uh, and there's just some things from cat and ants towards the end of the game. Uh, but I guess the biggest thing is, do we hit the panic button on the Minnesota Timberwolves losing to the San Antonio Spurs and just overall not playing a lot of great basketball over the last two weeks? And It's not a panic. There is a, we have a new potential ground zero on a turning point of this season. And weirdly, it is one of the best individual performances of the season. That Carl Anthony Town 62 point performance and the ensuing press conference that came from coach Finch and the 
absolute obliteration of his team that he made following that game, it's been, it wasn't great. There was some weird stuff leading up to it, right? Some tough losses, some maybe not good losses. Um, Some tough wins. Some tough wins uh, against teams that shouldn't have been tough wins, whatever. There is, that might be the, what's the word? The nadir (laughs) where we all look to that point of the, of the season and go, that was the low point. I'm not saying that's going to happen. This is just a, if, if things start to get weird, that might be it. That might've been an individual search coming to individual glory and the coach embarrassing him uh, in every news outlet whether you think it's embarrassing or not, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to interpret right. how, how this might go and how the storyline might go. Um, that might be it. That might, this, we might've just witnessed that moment of if things turn sideways for the wolves, it comes back to that Carl saying, screw you guys. I'm going for it. And then, and then the Timberwolves losing their way a little bit from that point forward. I don't know if Carl's Carl's probably not the person to blame, Coach Finch is probably not the person to blame. There's a lot of things that are that are happening here, but those are that is a telltale. It was it was wild, right? He scored that many points, and his coach just lambasted him. And the entire well, and his team, team was like force feeding the ball because they weren't taking their opponents seriously. They were like, "Let's let Cat get his because we're going to win. Who cares?" And then they go and beat you. And it wasn't a good scene at all. And it did not come off very well nationally or even statewide. Well, um, people have been looking for a chance to discredit the Wolves, and the Wolves are giving them plenty of fodder to do that. They are now, and that was the fodder. That was the catalyst in this in this what could be could t- could turn into a ferno. I I still don't right. think it will. They just need no, to the Wolves schedule is too soft for the rest of the season for them to flame out or for them to kind of fall from grace. They have to be really hard. And I think you mentioned the catalyst and that could be the Nexus event like you talked about. That could be your canon event, whatever term you want to use from the movies, uh when they talk about specific points. That might be it. But also I think there's another factor that we're not I, I think that maybe the casual fan might not be seeing. Mike Conley has not really been on the floor much this week. He's kind of just been battling some midseason bumps and bruises. And all of these embarrassing games for the Wolves, Mike Conley has not been on the floor. And I think that's important. And it goes to show you how important, you know, we talked about last year when D'Angelo Russell got shipped out for Conley. And we said, we don't know what it's going to do, but at the very least, there's an adult in the room with Mike Conley. And you need that adult on the floor. And Mike Conley has been that guy. And when he's not, specifically on the floor this is like it's all not a completely different basketball team but it's a worse basketball team and it's not because they're less talented the experience Mike Conley brings is invaluable to this team I I I agree with you um the thing that baffles me is he's still on the team Right, like he's how, there. How do they lose their way that badly just be like San Antonio sucks they're not good they Wemby does Wemby good. stuff, but they're not Wemby's, good. Wemby's going to get a nice playing partner in the upcoming draft. Like they're going to get a nice piece to add to whatever they've got cooking. They're not good. Um, why? Like, what is it? Why are the Timberwolves? Why can't they get out of their own way? Why does 
79-year-old Mike Conley have to be the linchpin on the floor for this team to succeed right. or not? That's a I I don't know I I don't have like a smart answer to that. I don't it's just wild that that's the case cuz you're right. If he's not playing, they're different. And they lost to a really not good team. They should have right. taken care of business. They should have taken Antonio. They should have taken care of business and there wasn't a second night of a back-to-back. There wasn't any of that. It's a road game. But again, you still, that team, your league's better than that team. You should win. Um, the one saving grace will be the team kept trying to catch them in the standings, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They lost in embarrassing fashion on the road to the Detroit Pistons, who are worse than the Spurs. So, and, right. And that's a good reminder, too, that losses just sometimes happen. happen. The right. team that had the best record in the league a year ago didn't even have 60 wins. Right. And they so, they bulldozed almost everybody to the championship. So Correct. It yeah, you know, it's the whole thing of trying to see trying to understand the here and now while also seeing how it applies to kind of that long-term picture. And yeah, there's a lot of things that the Wolves need to fix and maybe it just gives them the kick in the pants. The Wolves have the third easiest schedule for the rest of the season. So they're going to they're going to just figure things out by nature if they don't have that tough of a schedule, but we'll see what happens. The trade deadline's coming up, I think within like a month. So we'll see if the Wolves maybe add another veteran piece. We'll see if they add somebody who can shoot a little bit more cuz again their offense is not where it needs to be. They're like 26th in the league, I think in points scored or like points per game. So we'll see how that kind of adjusts over the next few weeks, but you're right. Uh, it's going to be interesting. So uh, well, hold on here. We've asked the question before. It's worth revisiting. Sure. When you have evidence that not having Mike Conley on the floor hampers your team, does it change who you think you need to go get for the trade deadline? Like, do you need to go get a seasoned vet backup point guard just to make sure that you have a calming influence? Like, is right. that, does it, because that's, it's that, or they need, they just need like a sniper, right? Well, so, it's either of those two things. So, but a, but a sniper is not going to be the guy who right. is your the point guard, who can, can, who can control things. So if Conley's right. going to be out, who's, does it change your perspective on who you need to go get after now judging the results, seeing some really kind of weird losses without Conley on the floor? I think the Wolves always were probably based on what I've read. I think the Wolves are, are looking for a backup point guard regardless, but you're right on the second point of, of a seasoned vet, like a floor general, like Mike Conley, not just a talented backup point guard, but somebody specifically who has like the veteran savvy, you know what I mean? Like you're not, just going to go get a talented point guard to help put you over the top and help your second unit off the bench. You need to get somebody who can handle when things go crazy. And that sometimes impacts who you're trading for. Maybe you have a guy who's talented and will make your team better, but gosh, darn it. We don't trust our guys and he might not make it better. So we're going to have to go trade for this guy. Who's not quite as good, but maybe he's a better field general floor general. And that, that has an impact. I think. Cause you could go get, I mean, you couldn't, but like, you don't need a Pat Beverly. You don't need no. a Pat Beverly backup point guard. You don't need that immaturity on the floor. No. I mean, again, I think, you know, with, without thinking too hard and the homerism in me, Tyus Jones probably checks all those boxes of the backup point guard who, I mean, Tyus, even in his early years, was known on the Wolves as being a, being like a veteran. Like, he just had a good basketball IQ. Without looking too hard into who's available, 
Tyus Jones has just always been the name that pops up for Wolves fans for obvious reasons. I mean, he's so but, expensive and he, it'll never happen. Right. But that, but that is the, you're right. That's the, te- the template that they need. Mm-hmm. They need a tie. They don't need Tyus Jones. They need a Tyus Jones like player. Somebody right. who fits that. How about type. Trey? How about Trey? Can Trey do it? Um, you know, I don't know. The, the Spurs want to trade him, though. That's the thing, because they're yeah. he's a part of. I think he's part of their young court. But I mean, honestly, if you could get Trey Jones, that might uh, that might help out as well. Maybe. Um, okay, so let's uh, talk about Twins Fest. That was over the weekend. Corey, when's the last time you've been to Twins Fest, if ever? I have been to Twins Fest zero. Zero. I've never been to a Twins Fest. I. By the way, we both uh, we both got the last two scripts. That's right. Yes, we uh, we talked on jer- jerseys on Friday about the Rockies getting rid of their sleeveless, and now uh, now we're bringing our own fonts in here. Uh, hoodies. We went to light wear hoodies. You have dra- you have strings on yours though. I don't for mine. So Kyle told me this morning every time he looked at me, he thought I was wearing suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> they do kind of have that look, don't they? This is why you need to listen to the morning sports desk on YouTube because you can also watch it there as well if you didn't know that. Uh, so. So, I mean, the Twins, there's, you know, Twins Fest, there's no TV news to break. Uh, they said season ticket retention was at like 97%, which is typical of a team that just made the playoffs and is pretty young yep. core. Um, so, that, I mean, there's not like any huge news there. I think most people were kind of hoping the Twins would have some kind of big TV package they could, you know, unveil at Twins Fest. And that hasn't quite materialized. But the biggest news, I think, out of Twins Fest was that Byron Buxton, when asked by new TV announcer Corey Provis, uh, basically kind of cut Provis off in his question when he Provis was getting around to what's your plan for center field, and Byron Buxton confidently was like, don't worry, I'm back. Like, I'm going to be back. I feel much more comfortable than I was a year ago at this time. I want to be a center fielder. And I don't think Byron Buxton wanted any part of being a DH last year. I think he wanted to play center field. Uh, I think the, his body and the team just weren't comfortable putting him in that situation. The point is what's your, uh, what's your gut reaction take of Byron Buxton uh, confident he'll be the opening day center fielder. I'm totally confident he'll be the opening day center fielder. When does the season start? End of uh, March, end of like March 30th. April? Yeah. March 30th. I am, I am less confident. He is the center fielder on May 1st. Like what, what do you mean you you're back and you're ready to be like, what was the team not ready for a year ago? Well, he wasn't as healthy. His knee wasn't as healthy a year ago. Get off of this. Like, I mean, okay, fine. Guess what? His knee's not going to feel good in a, in in two and a half weeks when they report his knee's going to click again. And then what are we going to do? I'm like, he's unreliable, man. I can't rely on that guy. It's that simple. I want to, and that's why I'm. I get so frustrated because he's dynamite. Right. Who cares? I don't. I do not care what he says. I don't care what he says. Right. You. I. Cool, dude. I also want to be the starting center fielder for the Minnesota Twins. It ain't happening. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you in the sense of like I want him to be the center fielder. And I want him to play even just a hundred games, but he's shown the ability to do that once in his career. And it's not a personal slight against Buxton. It's not his fault, but 
you know, he hasn't been able to do that. And I think Twins fans, even the ones Ever. that love him, and Twins fans, even the ones that love him, are are just in a wait and see mode. Like, uh, I'm happy for you, man. I hope that's the case. We'll just have to believe it when we see it. And we just kind of have to wait. How many years has he been on the big league roster? Uh, opening day since 2016. How many years ago was that? Uh, well, the 16 season, the 17 season, 18, 19, eight? 20, 21, 22, 23. He's, uh, this will be season number nine. This coming. What are, why are we still waiting? Right. How can you possibly be in a wait and see for a guy who's been in the league for a decade? Almost. This is not, we've seen. He's 30. There's no more waiting. Right. We have seen what he can bring to the table. And that is 65 to 85 game to 95 games of pretty good baseball. Right. And it's closer to the 95 or closer to the 65 than the 95. But it sucks. I want him to play so badly. He's literally never done it. I get it. I get it. Wait and see. We've waited for a decade. We've I just want to decade. Right. I don't know, man. There's nothing. We... It sucks. It sucks. I just want him to play. And we there's, there's, if he plays all season, let's say he plays 130 games by, by a miracle of the Lord in the 2024 season, mm-hmm. I am going to throw a brick through somebody's window when somebody says, see, just give Byron Buxton a chance to play. Like, this is the thing that was just a part of his career all along. Like, there wasn't eight straight seasons of him being utterly disappointing as far as availability goes. Right. If he plays 120 games this year, people are going to go crazy about, thank goodness, we. this is why we needed to wait and see. We got lucky. Well... <laughs> Either it way, the twin it will be a career year for him. If he plays 125 yeah. to 100, whatever, whatever is the magic number that you want from him, if he plays it, it will be a career year for him. It won't. It'll happen be the again. outlier. Yeah, correct. Uh, so, and the thing is, too, is he's under contract for I can't remember how many more years, but a lot more years. And the number, if he doesn't play, is like 10 million, which is like not even what the Twins were pay- paying Joey Gallo last year to do right basically the same thing so like it's not that it's a hindrance to this twins team like from a financial standpoint but it like you said it's just frustrating uh so looking let's do your expectations for him your expectations for him should be whatever your expectations are for matt walner well matt walner's expectations fine you he's not you don't think he's a career changer or or a, an organization changer you think he can be a, a starter for a long time that's just right. like you you don't think of walner what you think of carlos correa or royce yeah. lewis you don't have those same expectations that's byron buxton's expectations now he is not royce yeah. lewis or carlos correa anymore he just isn't correct yeah so debriefing okay, the NFL playoffs. <laughs> debriefing the NFL playoffs. Uh, the the Ravens and the Chiefs. And I think that this game, you can boil it down to two things. One is the Ravens, just an aptitude towards the red zone. Uh, you look at Zay Flowers making a great catch. And I know the taunting penalty sucks, and I'm not in favor of it. 
but also my guy don't drop the football on the defender and like stare down at him. Your team just got inside the 10 for the first time this game. Like yeah. my guy, and I know he's a rookie and whatever, whatever it does. Like my guy, you can't be doing that. And then get some pushback. He almost makes up for it. And then he lunges toward the goal line in the open field with three defenders around him and fumbles the football into the end zone, which again, I know that there's some people who believe that guys are just talented. You have to let those playmakers go make plays. And if that's what happens, that's what happens. I get that argument. I don't necessarily hate it, but as somebody who said it, when Justin Jefferson did it in week two in Philadelphia, don't dive at the goal line unless it's fourth down. Why are we still, why do we have to learn this lesson every single time? Don't, do it. He had the first down. They would have been at the goal line. The Ravens are the number one rushing team in the league. They would have pounded it in on the one. Uh, so people are going to use this. Yeah, if it's true that guys are playmakers and you need to allow them to make plays, then that's also true on what should have been the next play. Right. They're going to score. Let a playmaker make a play on the very next play, please. It's it's uh, I'm not saying that Zay Flowers is a selfish player because I, I haven't watched enough of Zay Flowers. That was a selfish play on that one to think I have to score right now and not let my teammates. It was an immature play for sure. I immature think it was immature. Yeah. Immature is probably yeah. the right way to word that. Yeah. They, but and they I think just could not. The, the Ravens did what the Vikings did all season long. They just shot themselves in the foot over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in what was really not a good football game. The Ravens offense moved the football, but every time they got inside like the 30-yard line in that part of the field, anytime they crossed midfield, things just tightened up for them. They're, the Ravens defense is outstanding. They held the Chiefs down as much as they could, and realistically, they gave, them an, they gave the Ravens a chance to win that football game, but... People look at the Ravens offense and they'll say, ah, Lamar can't win in the playoffs because, and Lamar had a couple bad throws. I'm not going to say Lamar played great, but Lamar didn't play particularly bad either. I think the Chiefs defense is legit. They're good. That Chris Jones is good. They're secondary. Like they're good at all three levels. I know the Chiefs defense of the last few years kind of gets maligned as a team that just kind of hangs on for Pat Mahomes to bail them out. Not the case this year. They're here because Pat Mahomes is generational, but they're also here that the that team wasn't generational in the regular season but the defense was good and the defense was good enough to pull the offense when they were going through their funks and now everything's kind of clicking and i'm not saying that we need to have this conversation now but my goodness pat mahomes is doing his best to get his career like on the tom brady track as fast as possible he has 13 career playoff wins already already He's never not been in the AFC championship game. He's averaging two playoff wins a uh, a season. <laughs> Which you know who would do that every year? Tom Brady. If you but it's but it's been literally every season. Right. Except for his first where he didn't play at all because Alex all. Smith was there. Right. He's gotten two playoff wins in every season he's played. <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So there's not much to say on that side. Uh, there's a lot to say probably about the game I didn't watch. Uh, I just had some stuff going on. I wasn't able to watch the NFC title game, but I was able to just kind of, I was able to backfill uh, on social media. And from what I heard is that there was a good football game. The Lions melted down and we're going to spend all week talking about hashtag analytics and going forward on fourth down to which I'll say you live by Dan Campbell. You die by Dan Campbell. And also Dan Campbell didn't make Josh Reynolds drop two easily catchable footballs. If 
How long has Dan Campbell been the the head coach? This was his third season. This has been three years of him making decisions that everyone has deemed incorrect. And for three seasons, it's worked out. And in the game where it mattered, it didn't work out. I I mean, you had two fourth and shorts. If you kick, if you kick two field goals there, you win. It's done. Right. The game is over. Um, the thing about like the lines said, is, though, is their kicker's not good. And that also factors into it. I But they weren't long field goals. No, they I know, but they're, they just, their kicker fair. wasn't. Yeah, no, I'm the, no, I'm just filling it in. Like I think I think you're right. They like do they make those field goals, but that's the head coach looking at his kicking game and going, "Do I trust them?" And that's also part of the process. But you're yeah. right. If they make those field goals, they hang on a win. And Dan Campbell's been doing this isn't a this year thing where he's like, "Oh, my kicking game stinks. We're going to go for it all the time." He's been right. doing this since he announced he was biting kneecaps. So, <laughs> this is a the, the, I like it sucks for them that this is the way it had to happen. But if that's if you're gonna live that way, you're gonna die that way. And right. they, they they died, died that way. They just died, which well, which sucks. Well, and there's a thing I saw somebody make this point, and they go, "If you're Dan Campbell, you shouldn't abandon what because the Lions got here because they were aggressive and they were willing to punch teams in the mouth and they were willing to do all this stuff. And if they back away from it now, when it matters most, that's who become Brandon Staley." Uh, the former head coach of the Chargers, who was famous for going for it all the time. And then the moment his job security started to dwindle, he was punting it on every fourth and three. So, like, props to Dan Campbell for sticking with his convictions. I think it's what got them there. But also, you're right. Like, there's just some times where it's the the classic at the end of the movie Moneyball when the A's get eliminated. And they go, well, you just had to do all these different things. And they're probably, like, it's the whole the thing with the going forward on fourth down, the percentages and all that is over a large sample size. And especially with football and playoff football, where it's single game elimination, you don't have time. Like it's not process over results. It's just results. That's what you need. And if the lions get those, everybody talks about Dan Campbell being a genius and he doesn't get them. And then there's just the thing that follows. It's just the fascinating part about sports and that kind of numbers decision is because you have to take the aggregate and try and make it work in a in a single situation. If I were a television producer for one of those um, uh, talk shows where two guys scream at each other for for thirty five minutes or an uh-huh. hour every day, yeah, I would I would one hundred percent ask the question as a producer: Should they fire Dan Campbell? Right. They've got they've got the the essentially the number one coaching prospect in their building already. They extended mm-hmm. him once. I think in estimation that Dan Campbell was going to be fired after a disappointing season and they were just going to hand it over to him. What's his name? Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson. Yeah, and it's kind of what he was I think that's why he was hanging on. Yes. So the thing that killed you is the thing you were expecting to kill you coming into the season anyway. And is I I it would it be an overreaction to fire him? Yeah, probably. But man oh man, if you were going to fire him coming into the season anyway, which is why you gave your offensive coordinator all of that money to keep him on retainer to take over as head coach going forward, if you were prepared to fire him anyway and then you lose the way you lose, 
for the reason you were preparing to fire him potentially? I think that conversation is a real conversation. Well, it's a conversation the Lions are going to have to have because there's a good chance Ben Johnson becomes the head coach of the Seahawks or there's one other team that still has a head coach opening. They're, and they're wait, the reason they have an opening is because they're waiting for the Lions to get eliminated so they can hire Ben Johnson. Like so, Correct. So it's the, it's the Vikings had to have that conversation after they beat the Saints in that playoff game uh, with Kirk Cousins in 2019. There was a serious conversation that if they lost that playoff game, Kevin Stefanski was going to be the – like they would fire Zimmer and just promote Stefanski because they didn't want him to walk out the door. And that's a conversation the Lions will probably have to have. Now, they're just so dang happy to have gotten to this point, they're probably not going to do that. But it'll be very fascinating to see what happens with that. Try, I uh, try really hard to, to not judge results. I try really hard. So I, I, I promise you, when I was sitting at home in my, at my, on my couch – and the third down plays didn't convert for first downs. When I mm-hmm. said out loud, kick the field goal, that is the truth. I I, I I try really hard to, like if they would have gotten it, good for them. But I want everyone to know, I want you to know, that was like, kick the field goal, tie the game. What are you doing? What are you doing? Tie the game. Guess what? They went down and scored on the on that possession. Mm-hmm. You still would have been like, you're still losing, right? No matter what, but at least you're only losing by one and not ten, or losing by four and not ten, or whatever it was. It's just insane. Uh, we've we've gone long today. Uh, so do you want to hold the? There's a Kirk Cousins related thing. Should we table that for tomorrow, or you want to jump in today? Nah, let's do yeah, let's do it tomorrow because I think we can probably take up the bulk of tomorrow uh talking, talking about, about that because this All is right. a this will be a good one. Tomorrow we'll preview some games that we'll have on the broadcast schedule. We'll talk about the Wolves and the Thunder, which play tonight, and we'll talk a little Kirk Cousins related news on his salary. That's all coming up tomorrow on the morning sports desk. But this has been the morning sports desk for Monday, January. The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.